Dopey Podcast. Dopey Podcast. Well, dopey now podcast. is the time for the Dopey Podcast. Dopey podcast. Where you call in and dopey put podcast. all your life on blast. And you call dopey in podcast. and talk about your past. Because your dopey life was furious, hardcore, and fast. So dopey now podcast. is the time for the Dopey Podcast. It's the Dopey Podcast, the Dopey Podcast, yo. This is the Dopey Podcast. This is the Dopey Podcast. Now if your life was furious, hardcore and fast, you feel like you want to put your life on blast. Just call up the show and I talk about your past. Cause now is the time for the Dopey Podcast. It's the Dopey Podcast, the Dopey Podcast, yo. This is the Dopey Podcast. This is the Dopey Podcast. This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our good friends at Oro Recovery. Oro was founded by our good friend Bob Forrest, who's doing better, by the way, if you were concerned, and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their mission, to create a rehab recovery center designed to treat alcoholics and drug addicts with connection and compassion rather than control. They have a staff with decades and decades and decades of experience treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness. They make sure the detox is as comfortable as possible, which is very important when you're trying to kick anything, especially heroin or crack or meth or alcohol or pills, whatever. It's horrible. Get, get a comfy detox. They have amenities you wouldn't believe. Sound bath meditation, surfing, equine therapy, and of course, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. If you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California, I cannot suggest going to Oro enough. Newsweek just named them like top two, number one, some crazy uh, accolades. So if you're fucked and you're willing to get good treatment, go to Oro. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our great friends at Sober Buddy. New on Sober Buddy, this week they are launching a 100% free sober tracker up to the second. Absolutely free. So go to YourSoberBuddy.com. Your Sober Buddy is also just amazing because it gives really, really cool challenges. It, it stays present with you. You, it's always like having a sober friend in your pocket, which is why they call it Sober Buddy. Over 60,000 people have already been using Sober Buddy to help them get and to stay sober. It's available on both the iTunes and Google Play Store, or you can check out their website again at YourSoberBuddy.com, and the free tracker should be coming out next week, so look out for that. This new episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at Dope delicious cookie dough it is an incredible company that makes unbelievably delicious cookie dough i just got a package of dope these bite-sized chocolate chip cookie dough bites and these bite-sized cookie monster bites which are blue and cookies and cream and delicious it's such poetic justice that dopey is sponsored by dope i saw 
Kelsey, the dope founder on Shark Tank years ago, and I was like, we got to make a partnership with these cookie people. Kelsey is an addict like us, and she believes in ending the stigma around drug addiction and shining a spotlight on recovery. A portion of every delicious sale of dope is also donated to She Recovers, a nonprofit charity with a mission to connect, support, and empower women in or seeking recovery. Life is raw. Cookie dough helps. Use Dopey15 for 15% off at D-O-U-G-H-P.com or find them in select stores nationwide. They have a thing where they call the people who eat dope to be spoon lickers. And dope is spoon licking good. Support dope. If you're going to get cookie dough, get dope. Go to dope. That's D-O-U-G-H-P.com. Buy some super tasty cookie dough and support your brothers and sisters in recovery. Evolution Accounting and Consulting is a full-service accounting firm that can help with your taxes, bookkeeping, payroll, and almost any other business need you may have. Thanks to technology, they work with people from all over the country and pride themselves on building exceptionally strong relationships with their clients. They say that their passion allows you to pursue yours because they understand the stress caused by worrying about taxes and accounting issues. When you allow them to take this off your plate, you'll be freed up to focus on what you love to do. And perhaps more important than anything else, the firm is run by a fucking crackhead. Fortunately, he's been in recovery for years now and knows the struggle as well as the success. Use promo code DOPEY when you connect with them at www.evolution-accounting.com to receive special discounts. We love Evolution Accounting. If you need an accountant, please seek them out at evolution-accounting.com. If you're listening to these ads, please go to Dopey Patreon, support Patreon. There's amazing shit coming out on Patreon every few days. There's something new. See old episodes of my music show. See never-before-seen Last Jewish Waiter bits. Hear from the Dopey Nation folk. Go support Patreon. Help me make this a real job. I really, really appreciate your support. Buy Dopey Gear, DopeyPodcast.com. And uh, enough with the ads for now. Here's the fucking show. Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I am on Long Island. There's a very exciting guest. We welcome back... Jay, as we, as we call him, Fentanyl Jay. Can you, <laughs> did a lot of people call you Fentanyl is that, Jay? Is that what I was dubbed, Fentanyl Jay? I've called you Fentanyl Jay <laughs> since then because it seems like a very, you know, Jay's episode did crazy good. Jay, people thought you were Pete Davidson. They tuned in. They're like, wow. You know what's crazy about that? Tell me. Is my, uh, you know, Andre? I do. My buddy Andre, where we were, um, he texted me randomly because I haven't seen him that seen him around so much. And he had a sponsee who um, he was, I guess he, he's like super like, you know, he like filled out all these worksheets and like printed out all the stuff for him to do. And uh, he called me like less than a, like two weeks ago or a week, or literally very recently. And uh, he's like, yeah, I was talking to my sponsee and 
he brought that up and said that, I, and he didn't even know that Andre. He brought what up? He brought up that like, oh, have you, you know, you know the Dopey podcast or whatever. And Andre was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, talking about me, talking about Jay. And then Andre's like, yo, that's my boy. Like, that, that's my good friend. And he said they sound like Pete Davidson. That's Is so that funny. A couple people oh. said that. I'm on the beach the other day. Right. On Sunday, you weren't there. I think you slept in that day. And uh, fucking Andre, Andre comes up to me and he's like, he's like, yo, he's because he just started listening to the show. He's yeah. like, he's like, yo, Jay's story is really fucked up. I'm like, I know. And then he goes, he goes, I was at this meeting and I ran into Todd, you know, Todd at the meeting. Big T, little odd. Yes. yes. Big T, little odd. Yeah, absolutely. And he goes, he goes, I ran into Todd at the meeting and Todd comes up to me and he's like, yo, I heard Jay on this podcast. He's really fucked up. <laughs> That's just Todd said that. It's so funny. Getting it from Big T, little odd. Little you odd. No, you're fucked up. Little fucking odd. So Jay, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Davey. And uh, and talk to me. Where it's like everyone's. You, your show created a lot of controversy. Lot I didn't of- think it would. I, I well, first of all, like I told you before, I didn't think it had reach like it did, dude. You didn't realize how, what, what, I I was, what I was messing no with. no fucking idea. I thought it was some little, you know, whatever. I didn't know it was so, so big. I it's had no not, idea. But that's the thing about it. To me, the funny thing is, that's the other thing. I, I, you know, I've been making this show for almost seven years, and I go to meetings, and nobody ever mentions it. I wear dopey fucking clothes. I Everywhere. wear dope. And, and nobody, nobody says anything to me about it ever do they know it's you though i don't know and uh and, and jay comes on the show and he's like yo everyone you know everyone's approaching you writing you no one writes me i got i'm not kidding like so this girl i was talking to worked at long island center for recovery uh rehab on long island whatever she, i'm not even kidding she said everyone there first all of her because i i went my older sister went there i went there so like they know my family <laughs> you know um, Your sister went there. Yeah, yeah, she went there more than once. Yeah, I've been booted from there. How many times have you once. been there? Probably three times for like four days each. Okay, or like two days each. Whatever. I got kicked out. But um, LICR. Shout out LICR. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to LICR. It's probably the best one on the island. I'm not gonna lie. It's probably one of the best rehabs on. It's the island. a private one, right? Yeah, that's why. <laughs> when I was when I was when I was like. 20 when I was like your age yeah. okay I was in outpatient in Manhattan and they were like and I was failing you know I'd leave outpatient and cop every day <laughs> you know that was that was the deal I'd leave outpatient and cop and then they like called my parents in and they were like listen he needs to go somewhere here are the two choices either LICR or Renaissance in Florida and Renaissance in Florida is going to give you 75% off so I went there, and no it was, doubt. but it was bad. It's it was oh ba- really? It was bad. It was oh, bad. Shit. But um, so the the, the oh girl, yeah, the girl, so she works there, and um, first when she, she was the first person that told this was like I I didn't even I, I didn't hear it, you know, I didn't realize how serious it was. So not only did she tell me that everyone at her job because they knew like she was talking to me or whatever. So they not in she she only. So told I like me, how you say that what? that she was talking to you or whatever. Yeah, that's the way you, that's the way you say it. Yeah, you know, we were talking or, all right, keep, or, or yeah. whatever. I, I like that. <laughs> and uh, they all told her, like, oh, you have to listen to his podcast. And, like, she's, like, she did, like, blues and everything. And, like, she's, like, um, you know, dopey certified, you know, like a, a drug addict, ex-drug addict, whatever, so however you say it. But um, do you say you're a drug addict or do you say you're an ex-drug addict? 
I don't know. That's how I was just thinking. What like, do you say? Well, you know, we have this ongoing joke, like with with my friend Ian, and uh, infamous Ian. the infamous Ian. I'll go buy like we'll go buy. I'll go spend like every. I'll get paid from like a paycheck and spend it all in a day. And I'd say I used to be an addict, <laughs> you know? right? But uh, she came. She she said like, oh, well. First of all, I was talking to her. I didn't tell her I would fucking shoot crack in my neck. You know, I wouldn't tell her. Did you used to hit your neck with crack? Where where? <laughs> in California or here? In, in Pompano, in, in Florida. In Pompano. Yeah, yeah. So I'd be like driving. I was with this girl who's actually from Mastic, I think, like stripper, super hot, and um. We'd go, we'd get it, and then she, she, I was like, I don't want to smoke it. I never smoked it. Once you know, injecting is a whole another ball. Injecting is a whole another ball game. So then she, um, while I'd be driving, like we'd get it, and then I'd literally have her die, like, because I'm very vascular. I have lots of veins, you know, very vascular, very, very easy for me, you know, never tied off, nothing. So I, uh, I had her. Like while we're driving, you never that you never tied off. Never. That was a Chris thing, also. Yeah, was it? Yeah, that was a Chris. Vascular, thing. vascular. Guy. He didn't say he was very vascular, <laughs> but he often might, often he often bragged about not having to tie that off. That might have been the first time I've ever said that. When is the last, the first time you hit the neck? Tell us that story. That's a good. Forget question. the catch up with Jay. I want to hear the first time first you hit time the neck. Hit my neck. Okay, so like, uh, I don't remember the first time. Like literally, cause I, I'd never, I'd never, you know what? The first time was with crack because like, you know, I never did it with her. I did it later, but like I started doing it with crack and like they'd smoke it and I was already shooting heroin. So I was like, you know what? And then I, I found out that you could like break it down with lime juice or, or, or whatever. Lemon, lemon juice, lemon juice. Yeah. Lemon juice uh -huh. or, yeah. So I was like, oh, that's a thing. Like, all right, <laughs> music to my ears, you know. So I fucking, I was with this girl. Shout out to her name. I'm not gonna say she's from Mastic. Super cool. Is her name Claudia? It's Kate. <laughs> <laughs> so she, uh, we were driving, and she'd always smoke, and I wasn't even big into it at all. Like that was not my my thing until I went to Florida. Like I never did it in New York ever. Crack. Yeah, never. And. uh she was like a big, that was like her thing, you know? And mine was more like an opiate type deal. And uh, kind of match made in hell, you know? We uh, fed each other each other. And then we both left opposite, you know? So uh, I we'd get it. And the first time she did it, like she was smoking it. Like, you know, first time she was smoking it around me. Because I've seen it. I just never really did it, you know? I might have done it once or twice, like already fucked up. But I, I don't really remember it. And uh, she was like, showing me how to like do it right you know those people are very particular about that kind of stuff and uh i started smoking and i was like no it's just like not fucking doing it for me not doing it for me and then we met up with these other drug addicts in florida and he did and he broke it down and i heard you could like break it down with this lemon juice so i was like all right cool so the very next day i'm with her and we're we're in pompano the bad side of pompano not like the nice side and uh we cop and uh she fucking this is the very first time I think I shot in my neck anything, but uh, shot, so I was pulling away. And you're vascular enough to hit your arms or your or, or your feet or your, and whatever your no arms. Problem. Yeah, yeah. This is just for the rut. And you were just like just for the thrill. You just pointed to the neck. Like, <laughs> yeah. hit the neck. Yes, I'm okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, she. Uh, so she did it. Immediate vomit. Like like whole face <laughs> fell off. It was. You're driving. I parked, but okay. then once I got used to it, I just start driving and I just have her do it while I was driving. 
So like out of nowhere, it's like, <sighs> so she'd hit the neck while you're while driving. driving, and that was like that was like a daily, daily, daily. Like fucking th- that was exercise. That, was that the greatest relationship you were ever? In? <laughs> it was obviously sick. All right, so where were we? Where, where, where were we? Where, oh, I was talking about how these people. Oh, not only did these people from LICR tell this girl Julia. Well, first of all, she didn't know like the crazy fucking shit I've done. So I like to keep that a little private, you know. You just save it for the big, big podcast. Yeah, save it for a fucking <laughs> yeah. podcast with yeah. a ridiculous reach, which I had no idea. I still probably would have talked my shit, but maybe I wouldn't have. Uh, I don't know. I probably would do the same. It shit. was great. Asshole. I swear to God, when I came home. From we recorded uh, at the Great South Foster, Bay on yeah. Foster Beach. Shout out and uh, shout out Foster, <laughs> shout out Foster. Um, and I'm sitting there, and I and when I was recording with you, I was like, "This is special." That's what I was thinking to myself. You're lying. Why would I lie? Why would I lie? <laughs> and I came home, and every and, and like I missed dinner. You know what I mean? I came mm. home at like eight or something, mm. and the dinner's like sitting on the table, cold. Like cold. <laughs> and I, but I was like, I think I recorded something really special, and you really. I mean, like, it worked perfectly. So I, the only problem was you were, like, talking like this. You were, like, <laughs> off the mic. And I got so many complaints about that. So oh, right now, Jay's at, at the dining room table. The mic is in his mouth. <laughs> He's got the headphones on. Nobody, nobody can complain about this shit. But what was the point about... About it. So listen, Thank this you, girl, I get, would, I get she hit, she she listened to it, and you know, I tell her like, oh, I've done blues, I didn't divulge, I was doing all this crazy shit, you know. And she read the title, I forget what the title was, but she was the like, the title was good, Confessions of a Fentanyl Dealer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my best title yeah. I ever came up with. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I had no idea about, and not only that, she's like, everyone at her job told her to listen to it, but then I got text messages because I guess you put up, we took a picture on your porch. First yeah. of all, yeah. we should have fucking did a timer, like set the phone up. Could have got a full body shot. I feel like that was like a like an old person selfie. You know, uh, what I'm, I'm an old person. <laughs> I, I did it. It was me. You know, yeah, we should tweak that. But then fucking people, random people. I'm not even kidding. I probably throughout the week, like 10 to 20, 15 to 20 people hit me up like, oh, you're on the fucking podcast. And I think a lot of it. People put my face knew it was me because of that picture too. They were like, they're like, oh shit, you know. Some people knew it from my voice, but uh, this girl Cass, so many fucking people hit me up. I was like, yo, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other question. Yeah. Is this? It's like you revealed a lot of stuff on that show. You revealed a lot of this. I mean, not the details uh, at our meeting, but mm-hmm. like the broad strokes you mm-hmm. talk about at the meeting mm-hmm. for the most part. Some yeah. some things you, I guess, you don't say, mm-hmm. but. And there was a, I mean, a lot of people are like, yo, they're kind of tearing up Jay and Dopey Nation on Facebook. Were they? I mean, I, I don't think, even have Facebook. I want to, I want to read it. Well, I want to talk about that too. Um, but, uh, I feel like you get, and, and rightly so, you get a lot of shit for being a fentanyl dealer. And so when you put it out there and people come back to you, do they ever give you shit? Does anyone ever give you shit to your face? Never. Never. Ne- what do they say? Never. I've never gotten any shit about it. I mean, I mean, and it's weird because it, we talked about this before, too. Like, I feel worse about the fucking body brokering than I do about the fentanyl dealing. I really do. You know? Why? Because the people that are your body brokering, like, a part of them is trying to, to, to better their life. You know? Like, a, you know, people that you're selling fentanyl to, it's, it's a fucking business. There's people... 
they're gonna do it no regard and i know it's a cop out they're gonna do regard but they are <laughs> like if you if you were doing heroin and one guy stopped yeah, dealing go somewhere else. what are you gonna do right yeah oh he's not i'm done like yeah right you know but uh but you also told we talk all the time and you told me how if you meet somebody mm-hmm. because you don't have social media, mm-hmm. they can't look you up on social media and mm-hmm. see that you're like a normal person. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. instead, they Google you and find out you're not a normal yeah, person. Yeah, that was so fucked. So like, um, does that happen often? That was that tell was, that story. I think yeah, that's, that was fucked. Um, so I met this girl. Her name was Star. I met her at. You don't don't say her. Yeah, leave her, leave no, her, no, she's it. super hot. Hey, Star, I love you. Um, she, uh, she, uh, first of all, she's probably the only one in the world. So only Star, right? Maybe she'll hear this. Um, I had a crush on a girl in summer camp named Star. Did you? Yeah, it's probably the same girl. My Star <laughs> is probably fifty, right? Now. <laughs> you know. Anyway, keep she, going. She, uh, she's like, oh, you know, I think it's like a flex. You know what I mean? It's like a flex. Like, oh, I don't have any social media when you're talking to a girl. Like, I feel like that's a Do you think I'm so old I don't know what flexing is? <laughs> is that what that is? That just happened. Wow. Oh that's, that's not nice. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, no, I thought I think, it was a flex. I think it is. It is a flex to some people, but other people, it's a neural pathway. I will find out everything yes. I need to know about you by looking at every picture you have, studying you, putting thoughts together based on what you've shown, and you haven't given me the ability to do that. I fucking learned that that point of view however many weeks ago. Because, like, I, you know, I was confident, like, oh, this is a flex. No one's really going to, you know, she's like, and we started talking or whatever, and she's like, uh, oh, you don't have any social media? I was like, no, you know, I don't do social media. But she's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just like not into it, whatever. And she, uh, when she went home later the next day or whatever, she was convinced I had a girlfriend, you know, like convinced that. Well, that would be a reason not to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Little did she know you had like seven girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she's like, oh, I thought you had a girlfriend. So I, uh, I went home. I tried looking up on like whatever, Instagram, whatever. And then she's like, but I couldn't find anything. So I Googled you. And right when she said that, I was like, your heart. Hit on. <laughs> Perfect. Your heart fell. Dude, yes. it was, I was like, no, she didn't. And she goes, yeah, I like Googled you once. And I saw this thing like, and thankfully they only did the Google report like before they found everything. Well, I guess it's the same shit. It says like $60,000 worth of fentanyl pills seized in Ohio, blah, blah, blah. Jason Butler, 27, whatever, from Sayville. And then she's like, yeah, I was like, reading. I didn't even think, look twice at it because like I didn't even believe, you know, I just didn't think it was you. But then she's like, I went back a couple hours later and I saw your fucking mug shot next to like 3,000 fucking fentanyl pills. (laughs) And there is no escaping that one. Right. And let me, let me, first of all, why don't you do social media? I don't know. I used to. I'm sure you were addicted to it like everybody else. I used to do it. It's just like, I'm done putting, I'm done. You know, a lot of social media is a show, you know? Sure. And I'm like done. Isn't it like it's all either a show or the ability to snoop? Yeah. Yeah. That that would be the reason I would get it. So I can be a, a creep and just right. see what other people are showing, you know? But that's, that's I'm just done. Like, What was the break? I'm, I'm interested in this because mm-hmm. like, when did you give up social media? So it actually happened out of force. Like I, I uh, something with my phone, you know, I, I couldn't get back on my accounts. 
And I, I could now, but like at that point, I just said, fuck it. And I'm not even going to. The one that I did keep for a long time was Snapchat because I was a drug dealer. And like, that's like a, a good one to have. You Why? Know? Because Snapchat, everything you send disappears. Disappear. So what did, what, what did you use Snapchat for? Girls and drug dealing. But how would you, I'm old, I never use Snapchat, and, and I think probably a lot of our audience is interested also. Yeah. How do you actually use Snapchat for either? Break so, it down. So, the, when, if you get a Snapchat, you link your phone contacts, and everyone that has a Snapchat in your contacts also becomes your friend on Snapchat. So, I did that, and uh, whenever, you know, this is when I was like, selling bags of coat whatever like not you know wholesaling as much i was kind of pushing things around and that's why i was making a lot of money too because like it's like you're buying a lot and breaking it it's like buying 10 pounds of weed and selling 20 bags you know like it's like it's a money maker it's a lot of work so like if i got something in i would just like go to everyone on snapchat and either chat i wouldn't text because like that's how you know that's like paper trail you know so I'd go to Snapchat and then... What do you post, though? I wouldn't post. I'd hit them on the individual message. Like, I'd either take a picture and send it to all of them. And then it disappears. Disappears. All right. And then, or I'd like, I'd message them, you know? And also with girls, it's like, it disappears, you know? So nobody can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. That all makes sense to me. Yeah. Now, how, how much time you got? Almost eight months, I think. Eight months. Hold on. <laughs> Solid. Um, solid. How are you feeling? Like, I, I love hearing the, the hitting the neck. I mean, I'm, I'm, I never hit the neck. I'm not vascular. I'm the, and also before I say anything else, cause I know that the audience is thinking this, you need to fucking be careful. I don't want you to die. Like, I just want to say that out, oh, of, out of sincerity sure. and love and like, dude, Jay at the meeting is like the most beloved person that could exist. Everyone needs to hug him and kiss him and love him. And it's like, you are the most, like, if there's most likely to die, you're the, <laughs> just, just for the, the terror and the horror and the sadness. And having my friends die, I see this. And I, and I don't want the audience to be listening and be like, this is another Chris right here. Pay attention. Mm. So I'm saying this. And I know I can't make it so you don't die. I but you're I, making it. You're doing it. But I love you and I don't want you to die. So I'm putting that out there before... We say you understand what I'm saying. Throw it up. Yeah. Does that does that disturb you? Eh. A little bit. Eh. It does. Why does it eh. disturb? Well, if you're, did you have any friends that died? Yes. From this? Yes. So do you understand my point? Yes. Then? Yeah, right. I do. I do. All right. Forget. Let's get back to the good stuff. Eight <laughs> you have eight months, right? Yep. And you are uh, and you're doing well. Uh, why do you make that face? I was just thinking. I'm still. Uh, this is continue. No, please. Okay, I'm still tied up about how you said people were talking smack on Facebook and uh, how it's a controversial episode. It's a very controversial episode. But why? Because aren't we all aren't we all drug addicts here? A Hello. lot of, a lot, <laughs> well, a lot of us. A lot of us are drug addicts here. Uh -huh. um, but some of us are like dead kid parents. Oh. Some of us are like dead husband wives. Oh, makes sense. You Checks know. Out. Sorry. So guys. like, of course, but, and I'm. You know, listen, I think it, I, I don't blame a drug dealer for a drug addict dying. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't look at yeah. it that way. Yeah. And I, and I really care about you mm -hmm. and I don't, maybe I'm not looking at it like clearly, mm -hmm. but I don't look at it like that. I don't think it's helpful that you sold fentanyl to people. Like, I don't think that helped anybody. And I think it's also about transparency too. Like 
people that are selling fentanyl pills as blues is a different thing. That's then how selling, that's how a lot of people press die. Xanax as, exactly. as you know fentanyl as Xanax or that's fentanyl. A lot of people die, right? Yeah. So that I mean that eliminates some margin of error and yeah. some culpability, but at the same time. You know, it's like, you got to call call it for what it is. You dealt this horrible... I mean, it's like, it's also like time and place. Yeah. Like, like if it was 10 years ago, you yeah. would have just been a heroin and a Coke dealer. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It just happened now to be this... big F word. Well, also, there's this book. I, I can't believe I didn't show it to you. This guy, Sam Quinones, he's this uh, very, very, very amazing journalist who, who writes about heroin and fentanyl. And he just wrote a book about... Fentanyl. I had him on the show, and he uh, he's all talking about how fentanyl makes unlikely kingpins, and how easy it is mm -hmm. to be a kingpin just mm. from the sheer cheapness mm. of the fentanyl, mm. and, and how you can move it, yeah. and how it's so cheap you can front fucking ounces it's and true. get back fucking crazy it's money, true. and if you don't, who cares? It's true. It's so true. Because people look at me and talk to me now. They even the girl I'm talking to now, she doesn't even know I'm a drug addict, but like she. I'll tell her, I told her, like, you know, like, I didn't tell her I got busted or anything, but I told her, like, yeah, she, you know, what did you do for a job, whatever. We, we've we been talking for a while, but, like, she, I told her I used to sell drugs, you know, and, like, I've been shot in my leg and, like, you know, shit like that. And, like, she's, like, she, people to can't. To flex? Even, nah, it's <laughs> subtle flex. Yeah, it's subtle flex. But, but uh, she can't even believe it. Right. Like, no fucking way. And then you're right, because it does make unlikely king people that aren't like, like, I was just around it, you know, like, I, and I got so greedy. I used to get it in the mail, like from because I've got friends. I moved to California. I've got friends over there. It's cheap as it gets over there because it comes from Mexico. So it's so cheap. I used to get it in the mail, but I got really greedy and started bringing it back myself. I could what I could make on those things is whatever I spent, I can make five times it. So I could lose, if I got 100 pills, I could lose 80 of them and still recoup my money. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's, like, yeah. So, I mean, so, and then, but then the problem is how deadly it is. Yeah. Like, and the problem is, like, the thing that's really disturbing me is I'm hearing about people who have a crazy fentanyl habit and the methadone isn't even touching it. Dude. Like, that's fucked up. Dude. Like, how how hard is the fentanyl detox? Dude, I, honestly... That what's fucked up about Where it is the suboxin doesn't touch it. What's fucked up about it is you go into precips like precipitated withdrawal. Thank you for explaining what precips for, to the dope. I, I, really, I, I needed that. <laughs> Thank you. Have you been there? Precipitated withdrawal. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have. Like, no, you I, would know. <laughs> no, I, I, so precipitated withdrawal is when you are high and you take an antagonist and yes. it, and it throws you. No, I've never. No, no, I never. I was so, never in it. So. For, for thank those, God, for that's those, a good deal, dude. Thank that's God. That's a good deal. For I those who don't, if you did fentanyl, you would have hit it no, right. without, no. without yeah. question. Well, I, because yeah. with fentanyl, you have to wait. You have to go through the detail. Like it's so sticky that that if you take a, like I did it. This is the only time I've been in the precips. Um, you have to go through the sickness before you can take anything. Like you can get precips up to three days after. You, and like who, if you're a fentanyl addict, you have to do it every at least every day, most likely every 12, eight hours, you know? So if you wait like a day, like I did it, I waited a day, like two days when I was like about to kick it. I was like, all right, time for the sub. As soon as I did it. Because you're timing it every time. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you're trying to work out that Gage fucking, it. that, that whatever, the algebra of the situation. Exactly. And dude, that's, that's what's fucked up. You can't, even in the rehabs, you can't take Suboxone. You can't. It's, Instant percips, like as as it was. 
Which is so much worse than just kicking Bro, natural. I am telling you, it. Well, I. <laughs> this was madness. This was absolute madness. I came back from California. It was like right around Christmas time. Um, every time I come to New York, I try to do a little better. You know, like I, I came back home, whatever. And I fucking went through it, dude. It was fucking horrible. It was the worst. I, I, dude, I waited. I was sick. I was sick, sick. So I'm like, okay, what what the Suboxone does is, you know, it, it fills up your opiate receptors. And if there's any opiates still in your receptors, it kicks them out. So like you're all fucked up, right? So I'm sick. I'm thinking my receptors are clear. And fill it with Suboxone. No, I'm sick as a dog. I took that shit and I fucking died. I, I died. It was. And you waited too to I make sure that wouldn't waited. happen. And then I could, that's when it was still kind of new, you know, and I come to find out a lot of the motherfuckers have been through the precips because of that. So, <laughs> so like fucking what, first, what's advice for somebody who's on fentanyl? Like, how do you get off? Oh, that's so tough. I mean, I, I barely know how to do it. If I, me personally, how do you do it? I did it. I did it one time, which didn't last. I did it one time on my homeboy's couch, like fucking just went through it, whatever had, you know, I was also, it was probably out of necessity too, you know, like broke my phone, fuck, you know, so like I didn't have many available for me. I have to be left with fucking shit. I have my, you know. So what are you, but you just kicked cold turkey. I kicked cold turkey. I and, did. And what, what was the end of the kick? Um, like, what did you go back to? Like, so what? eventually, like, you know, I started selling drugs again. And uh, how long after? I made it like two months, three months. So you cold turkey. So you're saying, I, cold I don't, turkey. what's a medicated fentanyl kick? So, uh, what would be best, I would think, would be the methadone, honestly. But I've this never kid, taken this, methadone. This guy I know. Uh, in California, smoked like I mean he he probably exaggerates, but yeah. he smoked a lot of fentanyl, I yeah. guess, and then they put him on 150 milligrams of methadone, yeah. which is a lot a of lot. methadone. Yeah. Then he's buying extra take homes of methadone, so he might be up. Who knows what the truth is? Yeah, but he yeah, might yeah. be around 190 milligrams of methadone, which is too much. It's a lot. It's too much for anybody. And then he says he's still smoking fentanyl on top of it. So it's like. I, Sounds like a drug addict if I've ever heard one. Well, that's, 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 uh. <laughs> Shout out to it. fuck me, bro. The yeah. book was gas. There you go. <laughs> um, so fucking, what was I going to say? I want to, this is a really robust dopey episode, but if you're out there and you're robust. robust, means it's particularly dopey I knew that. between okay. you and then our guest, it's going to be fucking, oh, it's going to be doped up. Seriously fucking dopey Dope fucking on the sauce. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's if you're out there and you're on fentanyl or you've successfully kicked fentanyl with medication, what did you do? Send us an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Also, before we get to our, our official guest, Jay's just our guest co-host. And you're Chilling. really you're really killing it, by the way. Stop. No, it's happening. <laughs> this is it's it's, all happening. It's I all, can do Dave's impression so well. It's all, right? all happening. I call him, what's happening, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else you what's got? cranking? I don't say cracking. <laughs> you did. No, I've never I've never I don't You think did I'm, once. I no, thought it was so funny. He did. No, really? It's all happening, Jay. <laughs> That's what I sound like. It's terrible. It's it terrible. was pretty good. Um well, um, you complain a lot, and it's okay to complain. <laughs> wow. That's not good. I, I feel badly that I sound like that, but it's probably pretty good. People do people do me, and I'm like, fuck, I can't believe I sound. I want to be, like, cool, and I, I don't sound cool in your impression. Um, what was I going to fucking say? 
Uh, oh yeah, subscribe to Dopey YouTube. Gmail. Go to Dope. Go to Dopey Patreon. Fucking here. Let me hear another one of your. I want to hear another impression. You want to hear one more? Yeah. All right. So I'll call Dave. Yo, and not only this, I'll be sitting with the infamous Weez with Ian. And I'll say, yo, watch. I'm going to call Dave right now. I guarantee you. This is what he says. What's happening? <laughs> and <laughs> I guarantee it. And then in text messages as well. But this is Dave every evening. Um, Dave, alcoholic. Hold on. Grateful to be here. Grateful to be sober. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to get it out of the way before I start spitting fire. You know, yeah, before yeah, you do spit some fire. Before the you're fire the most comes. beloved motherfucker at the meeting. No, you're a fucking up that you you are. No, but I just have to spit my fire, and I'm scared if I'm spitting fire. You're I don't say that. You're spitting. I don't, if I don't say that thing, then <laughs> yeah, I, they don't yeah, know I'm grateful. Like a precursor. Yeah, I just want to make yeah. sure that because that's what I used to. I used to like go to the meeting in in Manhattan. And I wouldn't say I was grateful. Straight to hot fire. I would just go for jokes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I would just try to get the room to laugh. And I would never say I was grateful. And I'd be like, fuck. I for, I'd be over. Every I'd be like, I forgot yeah. to say I was grateful. Mm. So I say that first just to be like, all right. Precursor. Now I'm grateful. Now I can Now I can do whatever I want. <laughs> um, all right. So fucking subscribe to YouTube. Subscribe. Join Patreon. It's helpful. Fucking buy dopey shit. Do it. Go to dopeypodcast.com if you want any of the special stuff, the the Big Bird Beanie or the, Ooh, that one's fire. Or the Dopey Snapback or the Oyve Snapback or any of the new stickers or buttons, just hit me up on Instagram. Easy. Easy peasy. Um and so now we speaking of Instagram, we have a and and I had a plan. We didn't follow, we, we didn't follow we, the plan. But you are you're Jay? I'm I, off the cusp. Hold on. I'm going to give you the let's see if I hit the right button. It's boom, 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 boom. Oh, you want me to give you the funky drummer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. Yeah. YouTube is so sensitive that when I put the funky drummer in, it demonetizes me. No Just way. eight bars of that. No eight way. bars of drums demonetized. That's, wow. And that beat built all of, like, 90s hip-hop. Wow. So, like, it's crazy. <laughs> um, anyway, there's a woman on Instagram. Her name, her real name is Joelle. But she calls herself Dominican. No, Dominican guy. No, she's not. Right? She's, <laughs> That's what you said. Right. But she's not. She's a, she's a girl from, from, from Philly. And she's uh, really funny. And she was in, uh, she was at DopeyCon. She was at her first DopeyCon. And Jay is going to be at DopeyCon uh, 3, October 1st. DopeyCon 3. You ready to spit fire show at DopeyCon 3? Spitting hot flames. You know who else is going to be there? Yeah. Smiling Joe. Is he? You know who else is going to be there? Shout out to the Smiling Joe. Uh, Brandon Novak. Shut the fuck I up. I talked to him yesterday. Shut the fuck He's up. He's going to be there. It's all happening. Shut up. It's all happening. It's all happening. <laughs> Shut up. All right. Yo, Daniel Radcliffe, pull up, bro. Okay, let's let's let's, let's, deal, let's deal with Daniel Radcliffe for a second. Okay, <laughs> you, you know Jay is a wonderful person. We're in the kitchen. He looks at my fridge, and I have a Harry Potter in the Prisoner of Azkaban sticker. And Jay's like, "Why you have this bullshit fucking number three? Number three. And I'm like, "Well, I like the, I enjoy the hippogriff depicted <laughs> depicted on the magnet. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a robust looking hippogriff. It's the OG uh, Prisoner of Azkaban cover. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm like I'm like we're talking we're talking, and Jay's like. Yo, you should get Daniel Radcliffe. Was that me? Was that, was that was, Yeah, that was, was that me. me. I can't do you. I mean, I probably could, but like my brain is too <laughs> fucked up to do you. But you're like, yo, I, I, I should work on a, an impression. I'll work on an impression. Work on it. But um, yeah, that was that was me doing it. <laughs> and uh, you're like, what? Uh, so um, I was like, he's never going to do the show. And you were like, why? And I was like, 
Daniel Radcliffe and and Chris used to talk about Daniel Radcliffe on the show, and he'd mm. be like, he'd be like, "That's right, folks. Harry Potter is a booze bag." <laughs> and uh, and Daniel Radcliffe bought this crazy spot on Grand Street, which is right by where I used to live. Mm. And I would think about camping out, waiting Catching for him. Up. So I think Daniel Radcliffe is probably. You know, his career hasn't taken off since Harry Potter. Mm. Do you know what's coming up for Daniel Radcliffe? What? He's about to play. Oh, I seen it. What? Go ahead. I seen the. I seen him in a in a uh, preview. But what is it? What I were you going to say? No, go ahead. I, I, I haven't the seen the preview. This is what I've heard. I've heard two things. I heard he's going to play Weird Al Yankovic oh, no. in the Weird Al biopic. Oh, really? And that's got to make him feel not that cool. I love Weird Al personally. <laughs> Weird Al. I personally, but I, I mean, like Dana, Harry Potter. It's not, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, cool yeah, like that. Yeah. But then yesterday, I saw something that they're saying he's going to play Wolverine. No and way. How could he possibly? No way. That would be the biggest mistake. Maybe like Peter Parker before he's Spider Man. You know what I'm saying? But I the don't Peter know Parker, the kid who plays Peter Tom Parker, Holmes. he's good. Yeah, he's great. He's. I hate that he's English. He's great. Me too. He's great. I didn't know he was English. I, I took Nora to see Spider Man. Homecoming? Yeah. Or no, whatever the new one was. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when I found out. My favorite. When I found out he was English, I got bummed out. Really? Yeah. You know what? Who did that for me? I was watching The Wire. You ever seen The Wire? Fucking Aegis Alba. I know. Fuck Australian. Wait, when or he talks, when he talks English, I'm like, "Where's Stringer fucking Bell? What <laughs> yeah, the fuck who is, the fuck is, is this guy, is, bro? Who's bad proper?" I know. Same with McNulty though. Who? Mc, McNulty, oh, McNulty. He's, he's fucking in- English too. Shut up. He and he can't do it as well as Stringer. Shut up. Yeah, McNulty's Eng- English too. Oh, I didn't know that. I know. It's like they're it's like they're acting. They're <laughs> fucking frauds. It's bullshit. But. uh yeah, Daniel Radcliffe, I'm sure you're listening to Come the show. Come to the show, bro. You must be. He, I'm sure he's I would listening. fucking love to meet you, dude. Daniel Radcliffe, DopeyCon 3. Let's pray for it. Yeah, pray for it. Before we go to Joel, namaste at home, dad, I want to kick this over to my friend Ryan Hampton and his team at Mobilize Recovery. Mobilize Recovery is an amazing cause that's going national this September, and it's a project really close to my heart. It's a nonprofit organization, and it's a way for you to pitch in and help end overdose and addiction in America. There's a way for everyone to get involved. There is no cost. There is no hidden agenda. Mobilize Recovery is about you, our community, and what we can do together to inspire recovery solutions all across the United States. Here is Ryan to tell you more. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Hampton recovery advocate and founder of Mobilize Recovery. And I'm jumping on with Dopey today because we need you to help end overdose and addiction and inspire solutions for recovery across the United States. This September, the nonprofit initiative Mobilize Recovery is launching a national bus tour in partnership with iHeartMedia and Google. And we want to learn what your community, your organization, and your projects are doing to mobilize for change. Help us map the journey across the country. Learn more today at mobilizerecovery.org and submit your ideas to us. There's so many ways for you to get involved and to help us highlight the recovery experience that is so unique in different regions across all 50 states. Go to mobilizerecovery.org to learn more and to help us map this journey. And I hope we get to meet so many of you this coming September during National Recovery Month. So thank you, Ryan. Support Mobilize Recovery at MobilizeRecovery.org. We're going to try to hook up with the team while they're on the road this summer. Support MobilizeRecovery.org.
And now, without further ado, straight out of Philadelphia, Joel, a.k.a. Namaste at Home, Dad. And I'm in the dopey studio. If you are watching, you know that. I sound like such an idiot saying in the dopey studio. It's like so stupid. Um, I'm very no, excited. No. Wait, wait, help. what are you saying? You don't want a big introduction? It's so legit. Like, you should tell it. Look at my studio. It's so legit. I was so impressed. I was like, shit, I'm in my bed. Dude, your bed is looking pretty good. You got a cheetah behind you. Now, before we get anywhere, I just want to introduce this woman properly. She is a, you're an artist. You're not just a meme maker. You're a fucking artist. She was one of the few participants in DopeyCon. She's got a Dominican man's name. Her name is Joelle. Welcome to Dopey. I usually say Puerto Rican, but that's just me. Hi. I never met a, a, a Puerto Rican man named Joel, but I know like three Dominican Joels. It's probably because I'm in Philly and you're in New York. Right. All the Puerto Ricans fled to Philadelphia somehow or something. And you look like, she looks like a cross between Cleopatra and Cher yes. lounging on her bed by the window uh, with a, a painting of a cheetah behind her. Uh, welcome to the show. Hi. Those are, did you like research what my favorite compliments were beforehand? Because those are it. I've been, that's all I've, that's it? Cher and Cleopatra? I'm sure there's more, but those are like top three. Also, that's a um, flag of the Lil Ugly Mane album, three-sided tape. Lil Ugly Mane. Really good. Like Gucci Mane. Yeah. All right. So we'll check that out. So what the fuck, Joelle? How did you start Namaste at Home Dad? Like when did, what's your deal? Like what, what's your story? You're such a, you're, you're a mysterious woman and I'd like to know more. So actually the anniversary of me starting my page, I think was yesterday. Wow. How many years is the anniversary? I think it's been like five years, maybe even six, which I hate because I feel like I should be so much further and I'm just not because of shadow bands and stuff. It's, just, it's frustrating. But like, I literally stopped doing what I went to go to college for, which is actually drug addiction counseling to focus full time on internet comedy or whatever the fuck i'm doing i think your internet comedy is is pretty intense and incredibly smart and not like any other internet comedy i've seen thanks i try to be all of those things see it looks like to me like when i look at your page it reminds me of like art school did you go to art school i did for like five minutes i went to the okay. art institute which like is pretty much like the devry university of art schools for a semester for fashion design, actually. And it was, like, terrible. My roommate used to try and beat me up, like, every single day for no reason. We had, like, major beat. She would threaten me. Like, she'd have to, like, get in my face. And my other roommates would pull her back. I would, like, pee in her face wash to get back at her because, like, she was, like, 200 pounds bigger than me. And, like, that's probably an extreme exaggeration. 175. But would you actually pee in her face wash? Yes. So how would you do that? You'd open the bottle up and pee in the bottle or you peed in something else and poured it in? Peed into the bottle. Wow. I have good aim. Yeah, that's impressive. But you really deserved it. Why? What, what did you, tell me the beef and then we're going to get into your storied drug history. Okay. So also the time that I was in art school was when I was trying, this is the last time I tried to take instant release Adderall as prescribed, which actually no, I didn't because I was snorting it the whole time. And this was also like, around the time where I was really getting addicted to, I know I'm like jumping way ahead, but that's me. Uh, heroin. 
So I was going through a lot and I was kind of in like Adderall induced psychosis at the time, but this bitch was making it so much worse. It was like a movie. I go into my dorm on the first day and she's like, just so you know, I'm from the hood. I don't fuck around. Like I've beat up dudes, whatever. Like this is my room and you're going to abide by my rules. And I'm just like, okay. She just kept doing one thing after another. And I tried to put up with it, but it all kind of accumulated when I went to stay with my boyfriend for the weekend, which I do every weekend because I wanted to avoid her. But I came back and there was like this gigantic naked man in my bed with like used condoms everywhere. And I just went off and she's like, you're dead, bitch. And every like, it was really like a movie, but crazy works. It was an Adderall psychosis. And every day she just like try and pick fights with me and then like get in my face and have to get pulled off. So I just did little psychotic things like pee in her face wash behind her back. How did it end? I'm going to sound really psychotic. That's okay. This seems, this seems good. This seems good for the show. I know. It's good for the podcast, but like everyone listening, actually go ahead and judge me. This is really insane. So like I, I finally had like a psychotic break from Adderall. This is so nuts. She was sleeping and she had just tried to get in a fight with me. And for some reason, I never liked my right ear. And I was staring at myself in the mirror with a pair of scissors. I'm so fucking insane. And I had like my sewing scissors from class. And I basically cut a piece of my ear off. Let me see your and ear. And I didn't even realize the irony, like blah, 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 Van Gogh, art school. Until afterwards. And it was bleeding like profusely. Like it, I was just bleeding out for like two hours. And I filled like a towel with blood. And then I went up to her while she was sleeping and I like got in her face and was like, Hey, and she woke up and I threw the, can I even say this? This is so insane. This is great. I threw the bloody rag on her and was like, stop fucking with me. I'm fucking insane. And she never did again. Let me see your ear. It doesn't look actually, if anything, it looks more normal. No, it looks totally good. It looks better. So it healed, it healed naturally. And you threw the bloody towel at your crazy roommate and then did you quit school? Did she quit school? Like, what was the end of the whole thing? Um, they finally switched my dorm. After that, I just dropped out. And I think went to rehab. I don't even know. <laughs> so when did you start getting high? I think freshman year of high school. But I was one of those kids where if someone was smoking cigarettes, I'd be like, <coughs> you're going to die of lung cancer. And I thought everyone who used drugs was a loser until like, there are these two guys in my eighth, uh, in eighth grade when I was in seventh grade that I found out smoked pot and I thought they were like so hot. <laughs> but even still, I was so hesitant to use drugs. I was really scared of my mom, basically, is all it was. I didn't really think about it at all. And then once it came into my orbit, I was just terrified of my mom finding out, which was a valid mentality because when she did find out, she like totally took control of my life. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty much like freshman year of high school. Me and my girlfriends would hang out with these like older guys that we thought were so cool who did drugs and stuff. And it was interesting because like they would do a lot of drugs in front of us and we would always say no. But then like behind their backs, we started doing drugs all the time. And like, I don't know, we would like get off on being like, oh, we don't do anything. But then it's like, let's go snort coke at like three in the afternoon. (laughs) When did that? I mean, so you started smoking weed like freshman year of high school or something? Mm hmm. And when did it become like, did you love it? Like, when did you realize that you love doing drugs? Immediately. Right. Even though I was in denial about it for a long time, I was just like, I want to do every drug. So my grandfather 
moved in with us. He was very sick. And to this day, like, I don't know if he did this on purpose to like, because he kind of had a, a little beef with my family because he had this like big farm and all this freedom and blah, blah, blah. But like the guy couldn't live by himself. So my parents pretty much forced him to move in with us. And he was always so, I, I feel bad saying this because like, I love the guy and I had a great childhood with him. But when he moved in with us, he was so mean to all of us. And one day, basically one day freshman year, very shortly after I started smoking weed, I came home from school and suddenly he's being really nice to me. And he's like, Hey, Joelle. And you have to remember I'm 30 years old. So this was kind of like the beginning of the opioid epidemic. Like no one even used those words and even knew no. what it was really. So I totally. come home from school. He's like, Hey, Joelle, I saw on the news today that kids your age really like to take these drugs and they feel really good and they're a lot of fun, but I don't like to take them because they make me feel weird. So if you want them, you can have them. They're in my top drawer. And I open the drawer. Shut the fuck up. I swear up. to God. There's hundreds of Oxycontin and Percocet. And I had no idea what they were. I remember at the time I thought like getting high was getting high. So like the first, like that night I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And I took one. I think some of them were Perc 5. Some of them were Oxy 10s. Is that even a thing? I remember there was like five and 10s. But I took one pill the first night and didn't really feel anything. Cause I didn't wait. I thought it was going to be immediate like weed. And then I took two more. And then the next thing I remember is like, I'm lying like up against my wall with like my feet up in the air. And I'm like, this is the best feeling ever. I'm going to do this all the time. And like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up for a second. <laughs> I just need to understand this. Cause I've talked to a lot of people about, you know, where their drug addiction came from and this is like the most fucked up thing I've ever heard in my life. Really? How old were you when? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think this is the most fucked up it's thing sad. I've ever heard. In my, life. my parents didn't believe me when I told them this. How old were you when when your grandfather said, "I saw a news report that kids like getting high on oxycontins, and I have some I was for 14. you." How you're fourteen? Yeah. How old was he? Eighty something. Hold on. Are you telling me the truth? That your grandfather saw a news special about the beginning of the opioid epidemic and thought maybe you'd like to enjoy them too. Yeah. Is this true? I know. I think okay. about this all the time. I'm like, why did he do that? Like, he had to have heard that it was a negative thing. It's not like the news was like, great news, kids. We have the best drug in the world. You should try it. You know, like, he had to have heard it was a problem. And it was like heroin. It, they ever, it, it was the beginning of heroin. Like how could, I, I honestly, like in all of my time doing this, I've never heard anything like this. Like this is like. It's so strange too, because like my whole family is so straight laced. Like. I'm almost like, I almost, Joelle, I almost don't, the story so nuts, I almost don't believe it. Really? So is it your mother's father or your father's my father? My dad's dad. What And so, so you're 14, you start, I'm just going to go with this. You're 14 and you start taking Percocets and Oxycontin from your grandpa and you love them at 14. Like, do you share them with your friends immediately or no? I literally, the day afterwards, I start taking them and going to school every day. I would take them on the bus and each day I would take more and more. And then like, I finally heard one of like my guy friends that did drugs. He's like, Oh, the best drug ever is this drug called Oxycontin. I was like, I have that at my house. 
He's like, are you serious? Like, you could get so much money for that, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh. So I started selling them too. And I would give them to my friends because I had so many. And he would get them constantly. Like, he would re-up. So I could re-up. Did he take them or no? I don't think. No, he didn't. No, he I couldn't. Took have, right? all of them. Yeah. And were, how many were you, like, selling a bunch? When did you find that you were, like, addicted to them? So I actually didn't get addicted to them because one day I took eight of them on the school bus and I pretty much like, I don't, I don't know if I could call it an OD, but like I passed out in the school bath, like I threw up all over the school bathroom and passed out for like hours. And after that, how old? Same year. Actually. So like 14, 15, like 10th grade. Like 10th grade. Yes. Okay. And did the school know? No. So you were just like, I have a stomachache kind of thing. It was kind of funny. I was in math class and uh, I was working with a partner on some project. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but she was getting mad at me because like, I guess I wasn't really responding because I was like trying not to throw up. And I just looked at her. I'm like, I'm going to throw up everywhere. And then I stand up and the teacher's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to throw up everywhere. And then I go in the bathroom and I throw up everywhere. And then just never came back. And yeah, nobody came to look for me or anything, which is weird. And like, how much were you dealing? And how much was it like, guys like me because I can give them pills and I'm, I'm cool because I have access to drugs and all that? Well, here's the thing. I still would never give guys drugs for free. Like, if I'm hanging out with guys, like, they're going to give me drugs. For free. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I didn't really feel like that was a part of it. I would only really sell to a few people because I wanted them for myself. I would give a couple to like my girlfriends. It was weird too. Cause actually my mom would catch me with weed. Right. And I would get grounded for like two weeks, not be able to have my cell phone or anything. But if she found the pills, it would be like, go put grandpa's bills back. Cause like nobody really knew anything about them, I guess at the time. And so like when I would get grounded for smoking weed, I would just be like, Oh, I guess I could just, I'll just do Oxycontin. Like that's my, you're not allowed to do drugs, drug. But yeah, I didn't really start like selling them, selling them until after I had whatever OD in the bathroom, I couldn't stand the taste of it. It would make me throw up immediately. So I stopped doing them for a while. And I was like, I'm never doing them again. And at that point, oh, so basically my mom caught me with weed too many times. And she made me switch to the high school where she was a religion teacher at. Wow. So she could keep an eye on me. This really like expensive prep school that I fucking hated, honestly. And then once I went there, I would sell them because I could like, charge people a shitload of money because everyone there is like so rich (laughs) so when you got to the expensive school you made a business out of it more than you were like all strung out on the pills because you threw up it was like i don't want to feel like it it didn't real. you weren't like super caught up in being on the oxys because you didn't like throwing up all over the school and then you were like i can make money it was strange like that was also part of the reason i started doing drugs was because like i would when I tried drinking, I would binge drink every, I was like, Oh, this alcohol isn't bad. And then I would get like, I would give myself alcohol poisoning every time. And I couldn't even like smell it without throwing up. And it just turned me off from alcohol. That's why I started doing drugs. But I really was like obsessed with the oxys. But the second it made me throw up, like I just couldn't even taste it without throwing up. And I was just like done. So when that happened, what did you switch to? Like, how did your life change? Like, I was the same way with alcohol. And I started to do drugs because I couldn't handle getting sick from alcohol. Like, it's so and annoying. I could, 
so annoying. Uh, and it didn't it didn't make me feel the way I really wanted to feel. Like I wanted to be like idiot, drunk, whatever, but I would throw up and I would I would pass yeah. out. It wasn't what I wanted to feel. When you give up the oxys and you don't get too strung out, like where does your drug career go? Like I guess you become a big time dealer in the prep school, but what are you using at that point? Um, like at that point, it was like my goal in life to do every drug I could get my hands on as much as possible. So I've never done meth. It just really wasn't a thing where I grew up like at all. But at that point I was, def I was obsessed with ecstasy, I guess. I could see like that. junior years when I started doing ecstasy as much as I could. Um, still smoked weed like all day, every day, which I don't anymore. Coke, hallucinogens, pretty much anything. I didn't do PCP until I was like 19. Maybe I 18. feel like your your DopeyCon story, I think, was a PCP story. Yeah. So when does it start being like, this might be a problem? Like, at what point? Like, I'm sure, when did other people think it was a problem? And when did you think this might be a problem? I had a reputation for being one of, like, the biggest druggies. It was weird because I definitely had a lot of friends. And I guess I was, like, popular or whatever the fuck. But everyone knew me and my girlfriends as, like, the crazy party girls that, like, did a lot of drugs from, like, Honestly, yeah, like freshman year onward anyway, especially when I got to the prep school, like when I first got there, they were like, oh, we heard you got kicked out of your last school because you overdosed on acid in the school bathroom. Nice. I know. I'm like, that's not even possible. But I guess people heard like pieces of the oxy half-ass OD story. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you're, you were, where are you from? Are you from Philly proper? Or are you from one of a like, king of Prussia or Pottstown or one of those towns? Jersey. New Jersey, where at? Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill, right there. That's right out. I had I used to I used to promote do cigarette promotions in Cherry Hill years ago. Where? I don't know, those disgusting clubs. Like I would drive down with heroin and like Top I would, Dog. No, it was another one. It was another one. It was, another one. I, it was like it was so bad. Oh my God. I, I would hire these these women to be cigarette models to hand out packs of parliaments in Cherry Hill. It was a really weird time in my life. Like it was I feel like that's what I'd be with my life if that was still a thing. You think you'd be a cigarette model in Cherry Hill? That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. That would be a great way for us to have met. So you're you're you have this reputation, right? You have this drugged out reputation. You're kind of like, how much are you selling? Are you making money? Are you all tripped out on ecstasy? Like, what is your life like then? When when does it start becoming like, holy shit? I was so in denial, even like after. It didn't, it took me until I was like 19 already, like doing heroin every single day for a year straight to realize I had a problem <laughs> because, okay. When was the first time you did, when was the first time you did heroin? 17. I actually did heroin. Well, tell me the situation. Give us the situation. So there was this guy named Shannon who was like in his thirties, I think. And he would have all these high school kids come party at his house. And he was a heroin addict. It was such a shithole. He just had like, Two pit bulls running around, like, humping each other the whole time. You could smoke cigarettes inside. It was just, like, older dudes trying to hook up with younger girls. And that's where, like, all of my friends really started getting addicted to heroin. Because it kind of, like, put everyone onto mm. it. Also, like, the guy, I, my first, like, high school boyfriend had, I was, like, a freshman. And I was dating him. He was, like, a super senior. And he had an apartment where we would also, like, always go and do drugs. But, uh, yeah, the first time I ever did, it was a party at Shannon's house. And actually like my best friend at the time was already doing heroin. 
And I was like kind of dating this like foreign exchange student from Spain just because I was like bored. <laughs> and I remember we're like sitting on the couch and she's like, do you want to try dope? And I actually really didn't want to. I was like, I don't know. I had this weird like checklist in my head where I'm like, I have to do every drug before I die. I'm like, I guess I have to do it. But like, it's heroin. Like, why are people even doing this? This is stupid, but I'm going to go do it. So I went upstairs in the bathroom and I did it with them. And I go back downstairs. I'm sitting on the couch with my like foreign exchange student boyfriend. And he's like, oh, how is it? I'm like, this sucks. Like, I'm never doing this again. Like, this feels fucking dumb. Like, this is the reason everyone's sitting around here with a fucking lazy eye, like sucking their dick. Bye. <laughs> so why? Like, wait, wait, wait. What, what about it? What about it did you hate at first? I The empty feeling. I don't know. It was just like nothingness which is weird i mean because it is like the same as oxys i guess but for some reason i just hated it i think i also felt guilty like i think i was expecting it to feel because at the time i was doing a lot of molly and like uplifting drugs right and it felt good it yeah. felt great and, and, I, and ecstasy doesn't have that profound great feeling it just has this incredible like and this numb feeling like which guy. which i really liked well, I liked ecstasy that felt like heroin. Like that was my favorite. I liked that going. too after I'd done heroin. Yeah. So the first time I was like, I'm never doing this again. And I really thought I wouldn't. It's kind of annoying. Like I'm totally, it's not my fault that I'm a drug addict. Like everything was an accident. <laughs> so then there was some like rich girl that I thought was annoying who was having like an open house party at like her giant mansion. And someone's like, you could bring whoever you want. And I'm like, oh Yeah. And then I invited like 40 people from like a public school and it was like a huge mess. It was funny, but like really fucked up. Like the whole house was like trash. And I guess like my friends that I invited a lot of my friends that were on heroin and she like lied and said the cops were coming. But at that point I felt bad. So I was like, okay, yeah, the cops are coming. We got to go everyone. So, so you remind me of like a character from the movie kids. Like that's like, that's when I hear this story, what it reminds me of like young reckless bringing all these people to rich people's parties. Like, like I, I was like such a nerd. Like, like I, I did a lot of drugs, but I was totally like sequestered. Anyway, when does it, when, when do you think it's like bad? Like when, when, okay, you do heroin for 10 months before you feel like, um, you were, you even had a habit. Like what was the fantasy then? The fantasy was like, you were this wild child, you know, bohemian person, right? I guess so. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like darker than that. And I just didn't really think about it. What's the darkness? Let's hear about it. This is good. Okay. I'll get real with you. I don't know. Like ever since I was in, I think, I think it all started when I got put on like ADHD meds as a kid. Cause after that I was just like, never the same. What did they put you on? Ritalin. And then I tried everything else, but I like the first day of school in sixth grade, I, I tried Focalin and I was literally having like, clockwork orange style hallucinations and like the whole thing really fucked me up but i don't know like i just remember being in fourth grade and they're talking about like oh like what do you want to be when you grow up and like i had this fantasy it's just so fucked up i don't know what i'm saying i'll listen to your podcast but whatever it's like good content i guess i had like this idea not like a fantasy but i was just like i kind of just want to go to jail for the rest of my life i don't want to like i can't see myself doing anything i don't want to do anything i don't know like was it almost like was the jail fantasy almost like I don't want to have to try to do anything. Yeah. Just lock me up so I don't have to fucking do anything. Yes. That's kind of like what heroin is like. Exactly. It's like, if I'm doing this, I don't have to do anything else. Exactly. Um, and, and it's like, as long as I can maintain 
like status quo or homeostasis of having drugs, having dope. I, that's all I have to worry about. And I get that. I get to feel exactly that feeling. And it's like, it's like a much more comfortable version than real jail. Have you ever been to real jail? No, I've been arrested a couple of times, but no. Right. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing that your, your, your young fantasy never came, came through, but I get it. I, I get it. That's like, that's the whole thing. You don't want to fucking deal with, you know, your life. So like, how bad did it get? Like you were, I mean, like this early stuff sounds pretty good. When does it start getting bad? Um, I didn't really have that bad. It was kind of fine. You wouldn't be on Dopey. You wouldn't be in this situation if it didn't get bad. Everybody that comes on Dopey, it has to get bad at some point. Oh, no, I know. It was bad. Yeah, it was fucking bad. I think the worst of it, though, was like when I went to Florida for treatment. Like, Where'd you go? Ambrosia. Where was it? Port St. Lucie. And the one in West Palm. I went to Renaissance in Delray, which is bad. Okay. Anyway, so, so I lived what, in Delray too. What happened in Port Port St. Lucie? It it like hardly has to do with like the heroin. I mean, it does. It's a direct result of my heroin use. But being stuck in that cycle of just being like a pawn pass from rehab to rehab to halfway house to halfway house, and thinking like this is as good as it gets. And having, like, nobody view you as a person. I don't know. Like, life down there just sucked so fucking bad. I wanted to... I don't know if I'm good at processing my emotions or if I'm just excellent at living in denial and repressing my emotions. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I got to the point where, yeah, my heroin use was awful. Like, my life sucks. Because um, I'm, you know, I'm really close with my family. And every day it was like... It's like robbing my parents and my mom, like sobbing and them trying to get me into rehab and like hiding at people's houses. And I would have like men pay for my drugs. I wouldn't have sex with them or anything, which I don't like see anything wrong with that. Like I wouldn't judge someone for doing that, but I would find these like very insane men that were like obsessed with me and would just pay for all my drugs for me to hang out with them. And like a lot of those people were dangerous and like fucking crazy so like it's definitely bad but see i think you're i think you're fast forwarding through some shit that i really need to get to here like i want to know i want to know about that like i'm you know i wish i had had you on the show after DopeyCon because I, I this story is it's a lot for me um between the young sort of kingpin bullshit shannon's house Fast forward to hanging out with psychotic weirdos who give you drugs to sit in your presence. What's that 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 period? Okay. Give us a little a little snapshot. I can do that. A little super right. eight of that time. So basically like the second time I did heroin was at that party I was talking about. And I thought I was doing coke, but I did heroin. And I, at that at that point I was like, this is the best feeling ever. I want to do this all the time. But I was still scared. And I watched all my friends like get addicted, go to rehab, people die. And for some reason at that point, I could do it whenever I wanted. I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, you don't just don't do it every day. And I was like that for like two years from 17 to 19. I really could do heroin like whenever I wanted. But then I met my first boyfriend who was actually that way. He still has a bo- the box with this spoon and needle in it and hasn't touched it since we were dating. So fucking weird. But like, I met him and I like 
did heroin with my friends and I told him about it. I'm like, oh, you're going to be so mad at me. I did heroin. He's like, oh, actually, can you get me some? He's like, I could do it whenever I want and I never get addicted. I'm like, oh my God, me too. Like, are, pe- are there some people just like that? He's like, yeah. And once I lost that fear of getting addicted, I think also that in combination with like my first relationship and like trying to get rid of like that awkwardness of like, I don't know. Cause like I said, I did heroin before I ever even like lost my virginity. I like thought I hated everybody. And then I was like really in love with this guy. And I guess we just thought we were invincible. I don't know. Like our relationship really was amazing. But then at the same time, like we start doing oxy and heroin more and more and more because he could stop. I was just like, Oh, I'm just doing this by choice. Like I can stop the next day. I can stop the next day. And then it just turned into like, he never got strung out. No, it's like he's incapable of getting addicted to anything. It's weird. See, usually, usually you hear that shit and it's bullshit. Usually like no. that's the beginning of the story and then they wind up, you know, dead or in rehab or something like you or me. Yeah, it really is true. And he would drink like a 30 pack every night when I had to go to rehab. I was like, I was like, well, like you're an addict too. You drink that much every single night. It's just your drug of choice is alcohol. And he's like, okay, watch this. And then he just quit. And he didn't have any withdrawals. Right. It was insane. After doing it for like right. years. When was the first time you shot up? Mm, I think I was like nine months into doing, sniffing it like every single day. So like 19. And do you remember the first time you shot up? Who were you with? Was it with that guy? No. I, at that point, I was. he's like, we have to quit. And I started doing it behind his back all the time. I think that's why I was in denial of the fact that I was an addict. But I actually, oh yeah, I remember the first time I shot up, it was this girl, Jacqueline, I was friends with, and I used one of her used needles, which like, what the fuck? I'm so lucky. I still don't have like pep or anything. I never got it. Actually, it was on my 19th birthday, I think. Because right afterwards, I went out to dinner with my parents. I met them at Bahama Breeze at the Cherry Hill Mall. And like the look on my dad's face was, he's just like shaking his head. And I'm like, what? I'm tired. So tragic. Right. Who made you go to rehab the first time? Like my boyfriend basically was like, if, we, if you want to be with me, like you have to get help. Okay. So lay that out. So you're all fucked up. He gave up dope. He gave up everything because it didn't really make a difference to him. You're strung out behind his back and he's like, you're a fucking mess. You got to go to rehab and you loved your boyfriend and you're like, mom and dad, let me go to rehab so I can be with my boyfriend. Yeah, I remember I was like, um, mom, I have a problem with like Percocets. I've been snorting Percocets. Since grandpa was in the house. Did you say, mom, grandpa gave me too many Percocets and now I have to go to rehab. I told them that when like they came to visit for family day and rehab and like they didn't believe me. I'm like, why would I lie about this? Like, that's a fucked up thing. It's the most fucked up story ever. So you go to rehab in Florida. Do you stay with the boyfriend or do you immediately meet somebody in rehab? (laughs) That's actually hilarious. Um, (laughs) No, the first rehab I went to was in Jersey. The second rehab I went to was in Florida. And actually I'm about to move across the country next week to be with my first rehab romance. So that shit works. Wow. Wow. Is he clean? Yeah. Yeah, he he wasn't a heroin addict. He was like a trash can addict with like crack and Molly and and Xanax and everything else besides heroin. I don't actually really like to date heroin addicts. I feel like two heroin addicts don't mix. No. So like, <laughs> obviously, give us so like you go to fucking Florida, 
And, and you were also talking about in that period of like going to stay with crazy psychotic men who gave you drugs to be in your presence. How did that end? Like, how did that period end? You were just like your boy, because you're, you're doing that behind your boyfriend's back also to get the drugs. That was later on. Okay. Well, so I also went to school at Rutgers Camden at the time. So I could just cop dope. And this was when like Camden, way before their like police reform thing. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it was like, I could just like swing by the best set around on my way to school and be at school at 9am. I could walk over the bridge and cop What's the best set around? That's a good question. They, I mean, you know how like Jersey, does New York, did New York bags have like the stamps too? Yeah. I know tap out was a good one for a long time. I think, I, I think we had that like in my, and I haven't done fucking stamped heroin in a million years, but I think tap out was one of them. Yeah. That one killed 11 people. And then it like, felt like in one day actually i got those that batch too and something it was so crazy i would never turn it down dope but for some reason me and my boyfriend got the tap out batch that killed everybody and he poured it out and for some reason i was looking at it and i don't remember what i saw in it but i was like that looks wrong and he's like i'm sure it's fine i'm like don't do it he's like he starts rolling up the bill and i just blew it off and then five wow. minutes later like don't do those bags wow that's amazing. I, I have so many questions and, and, and you're going to have to go to work. So like, how did you, if you weren't with the guy in Florida from then till now, were you? We broke up like a couple of times because I had relapsed and just for other reasons, like we had some growing to do. Like I've had some boyfriends in between, but like we've mostly been together. He's been across the country for a couple of years at this point. I've been doing long distance for years. I'm finally moving. How did you get clean? So... Was to boxing, but I wasn't an addict that hated my life. Like, I'm not even a depressed person. I enjoyed life, but I think I just, I, I started doing drugs so young that like, I just didn't even know how to live without them. Like I had no idea how to be an adult or do anything. It was just such a part of my life. And uh, I mean, I was tired of it. Um, I, I think I started planning for my recovery before it happened. Like, what does that mean? I like went back to college and I started dating this like lawyer guy who was like there, very normal. I was trying to like build a life for myself that like I knew I could eventually lose and that I wouldn't want to lose it over heroin. And like, it ended up working out like that. I was like in college, I had gotten a really good job. I was dating that guy, but I actually like didn't really like him. And it's kind of fucked up the second I like got clean. I was like, Oh my God, I don't like this guy at all. and broke up with him. The lawyer or the Florida guy? The lawyer. Okay. How did you stop using? Like, and you never did 12-step. How did you do it? I did try 12-step a bunch of times. It was not for me at all. I had really negative experiences in 12 steps. Like, fucked up sponsors that would, like, project all their bullshit onto me. Just bad time. People being like, oh, you should definitely go out right now because you haven't hit bottom yet, which is so stupid. Why the fuck would you tell it to somebody? Anyways. Yes. I got to live with Sebastian. So... I had been to rehab like 12 fucking times. Most of the times were AMAs though, like I didn't say. And I like tried everything. I was like, look, can I just try and do this on my own? Like, I really feel like I could do this on my own. I just need everyone to trust me and stop forcing me to do shit that doesn't work for me. Like, aren't you the guys always saying insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results? Like, can I try something new now? So 
for some reason it worked like normally if i told my parents i was using they would like get hysterical and like like drive me to the police station and try and get me to commit myself and like force me to go to rehab it was bad and i was like mom listen i relapsed i'm telling you this i really just want to stay at home and dry out i'll get myself on a suboxone like please just let me try this and if it doesn't work like you can drug test me if it doesn't work I'll go do whatever you want, but I just really want to try this and I think it'll work. And it was really like gratifying. I mean, obviously because it worked. It was like a challenge. Yeah. It was like, a, you were like, if you say I can't do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Who, um, who gave you the Suboxone first? Was that just like, we'll try replacement therapy and you didn't want to do methadone and Suboxone it just started coming out or whatever. Yeah. I went to a doctor. And so are you still on Suboxone or no? No. How long were you on it for? Like a year and a half. How'd you get off of it? It was easy. All right, like, break, it, break it down. So I only got to like eight milligrams. I stayed on eight milligrams from, I don't even know like the exact amount of time, but probably like six. Eight milligrams though is like, I mean, like I remember I never, I was on Suboxone for a second and the, we would get the, the orange heck, you know, octagonal eight milligram dealies. And like that shit was strong. You know what I mean? Like I, I never like had a big Suboxone habit, but whenever I took an eight milligram, I would get high. Like I liked how, like I liked Suboxone, but I never was on it. Uh, I imagine though, being on it for a long time, obviously it doesn't get you high. Not and at it, all. And I, I would imagine it'd be, it'd be hard to get off of eight milligrams. You can't quit at eight milligrams. If you do that, even no. if you stop at like two milligrams, you're going to feel like shit. And that's the problem. And that's why Suboxone has such a bad rep because like, most people who did it and like stop, they stop way too high or like they're in a situation where right. you gotta get cut off cold turkey. Like, yeah, if you do that, it's going to be the worst shit ever. You just have to go yeah. down to like, I went down to one milligram, but even still, like you can go down to 0.5 milligrams, 0.25 milligrams, and it's going to be fucking fine. I, How do they give you, because like my big dream, like back in the day, we would talk about this all the time where I felt like people who are getting off Suboxone, they don't make a 0.1. They don't make a 0.01. Like people are so scared to get off one milligram and then you have to cut up the strip yeah. or break up the pill. Like how, like what is a 0.25? Was that a strip or was that a pill? So you can get two milligram strips. Right. And then you can and you cut would that. snip them. And that gets really strange. See, don't you think it would be, it would make sense to have like 0. 0.9, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.7. Like why not? Is that just because people don't want people to get off? Um, I think a lot of doctors are like that. My Suboxone doctor was like that. I had to get clean and her back. Like she, wow. she tried to sabotage me too. Like I was like, I think I want to quit. She's like, okay, we'll bring you from eight to four. And I'm like, that's going to make me really sick. She's like, well, then you could just go back up. I'm like, Okay, then never mind. I'm staying on it forever. Horrible. And Horrible. So when you got down to 2.5, did you just get off of it from there or did you snip them up into tiny pieces? No, I, I jumped off at one milligram. And you didn't feel it? I mean, okay, so the withdrawal in total, I would say it lasted about like three weeks, but it was nothing. It was, it was really long, but like I could sleep literally every single night, no restless legs. I was just like sweaty and my stomach was like messed up for a while, but like I went out every single day. So like when you stopped, did you start smoking weed? Were you smoking weed for a bit in, in like recovery kind of thing or what, or were you just done with everything? Were you taking benzos or were you, where were you at? 
Mm, no. So technically, like, I do whatever drugs I want, but I don't really want to do them anymore. Like, what? Like, do you know when I got off subs, or when I got onto the subs? When you got off of them. Well, while I was on subs, like every once in a while, I would do coke sometimes. I I did benzos a couple times with the lawyer guy before we broke up, just because I hated being with him, and I think he knew it, so we just got fucked up together. I didn't really. I smoked weed a couple of times. I would drink sometimes, but like not really. Like I kind of was like a casual use. I mean, a casual cocaine user, but really, that's a thing in Philadelphia. <laughs> I'm sure it's a thing everywhere, but you're a total fucking heroin addict, so to be a casual coke user is like a stretch. You know what I mean? Like, how how long did you get away with it? How long have you been abstinent? Like, where are you at? Like, how? Like, I know your recovery is like what. I, one thing that I really like about your story is it's not like everybody else's. It's very different, but still, you're abstinent because it's probably easier, right? It's clearer. Like, if I were to do coke, like the, I probably did it. I did it on the Fourth of July. But, like, I just don't like how it feels anymore. It sucks. I'm, like, 30 years old. I don't feel like feeling like shit for the next three days. Who'd you do coke with on July 4th? Um, a bunch of my friends. There was, like, a big party, and I hadn't seen anyone at all. So you're not, like, in that I was a horrible drug addict, and now I'm not doing drugs. You're like, eh, we'll see what happens kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it works for me. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I mean, and when's the last time you did heroin? I don't even, I don't know the date. I mean, how many years ago? I did relapse like last year for a period of time, but it was very short. How long was the relapse? It's like a couple months. Wow. And then how did you, did you get on Suboxone again? Uh, it took it to get off, but. Yeah. So you just did it quick. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Do so, you think you're dependent on, on guys now? No. You don't think you have a relationship dependency issue? Um, I've considered that, but not really. I, I, I don't mind being alone. Like, I like being alone. I don't mind being single at all. I mean, I've been in a long-distance relationship for, like, a couple of years at this point, and I haven't, like, cheated or anything. Like, I just had to ask because a lot of these stories revolve around boyfriends and stuff, but I'm more interested in the relapse. How long had it been without dope? And then you, and how, what was the relapse? How did that even happen? Break it down. These are the important stories for, for drug addicts to hear. I think. Uh, it was probably like three or four years. Like, Cause I got clean and like, I don't know. I really don't pay attention to my clean dates. Like I have no idea when I quit heroin. I know it was like in July of 2015. I don't even remember when I got off Suboxone. I think it was like February, March of 2016 or 17. So since then, I don't really want to say what happened. Why not? You've said everything. You said your grandfather gives you pills. What, what could have happened that you don't want to reveal now? Cause people in my family can't know about it. And my mom watches all this. Okay. She's not going to watch this. I'm not telling her about this, but even still, like, I don't know. Basically something really traumatic happened to me. That like really fucked with me. It was like my worst fear oh, no. came true. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And how did you get the dope? Like who gave it to you? Did you pursue it? Did you go to the, the spots that you used to go to? Oh yeah, I just drove around. I, I yeah, I just drove around Philly and got it. 
in like five minutes. I respect you not being able to tell this traumatic story, but at the same time, I hate not knowing what it is. But that's where we'll leave it. That's where we'll leave it. Was this the greatest podcast you've ever been on? This was a good one. Yeah, this was really good. You're so much better than Animals and Morris. <laughs> better drug podcast. Am I really? I, you're equal. <laughs> oh, stop it. Say, just you could tell me I'm better. It's, it's nice to hear that kind of thing. Um, what's the dream with Namaste at home, Dad? The dream? What's the dream? Oh, like, like what, what do you want to do? do? Like, what? Yeah. I, yeah. I just kind of float through life and like hope something cool happens, and it usually does. I would like to be a comedy writer. Like, ideally, I would like to have my own show where I'm like one of the main people, I guess. But I don't really care. Like, do you do any stand up? So when I actually did your DopeyCon, it kind of gave me, like, I am incapable of, like, memorizing from anything. I, I blank out really easily. Like, I'm just a very off-the-cuff person, and I'm a good writer, but, like, I don't think I could do, like, a rehearsed bit. Like, it's so terrifying to me. Not, like, it's not even, like, I'm scared. I just can't do it. Like, my memory is fucking garbage. It's so bad. So like, I don't know. But when you went, when you did DopeyCon, you were like, holy shit, I could be a standup. It, it gave me some confidence. Dude, how good was DopeyCon? It was really fun. Was that the greatest night of your life? No, but it was definitely a lot of fun. <laughs> we're doing, we're doing DopeyCon 3 in September. You want to come? If I'm on the East Coast, I'll definitely come. Or if I can get out there. All right. Well, it's very exciting. So how will they follow you? Tell them how to follow you. The Dopey Nation. Instagram, just go on Instagram and type in at namaste, period, at, period, home, period, dad. Why did that sound weird? Namaste at home, dad, with periods in between. All right. Joelle, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. This was, like, such a good time. It was amazing. All right, awesome. So that was the incredible namaste at home. Dad. And if you were on Instagram, you would see her insanity. And I think we're going to do a Namaste at Home Dad Instagram takeover. And she might be at DopeyCon 3 also. Shout out Namaste at Home Dad. And Dad. Uh, she brought the, the crazy uh, sex, love, and, uh, and addiction, Dopey. Yeah, she did. <laughs> and any thoughts about, about the great Namaste at Home? She's Joelle? Shout out to Joelle. Shout out to Philadelphia. She just moved to San Francisco. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, she talked about that. She, moved, she was going to. With, to her with re that guy. rehab yeah, romance. Yeah, yeah, Wow, that works out sometimes, huh? Well, it is. We, time hope. is yet to tell. Right. <laughs> Keep your fingers crossed. Did you? What was the best rehab romance you ever had? Oh, was that shit. the neck girl? Yeah. Neck girl. Best, worst, whatever. <laughs> Where is she at? Is she alive? She's in California somewhere. Sober? Yeah. No, nah, probably not. I don't know. I don't know. I, what really sparked it is because she had the fire insurance policy, you know? So uh, when we decided to go out there, we just keep sending her back and sending her back because you get paid a lot of money. You know, so that was the deal. She was like, you were pimping her out to rehab <laughs> as a as a body broker is well, what you're saying. You put it like that. Well, you really were. I mean, no one was having sex. So you're like, come on, baby. Just go to rehab one you, more time. You just need for to daddy. get <laughs> go, go, go to rehab one more time for daddy. You, you know, that's I mean, because that's like it was probably was it was it kind of a pimp ho relationship it was a little. No, pimpish ho. A little. I mean, I'm sure what. Well, you're like, she come wasn't on, the baby, only we one. Need, we need, 
How many women were you pimping out to go to rehab for you? Uh, uh, <laughs> wow. No. <laughs> well, it was fucked up because I had to be gone for at least 21 days, you know? 22 days or whatever to get the last insurance. If you stay for like 10, I think, 10 or 14, you get like the first payment, which is like, if you stay for 14, you get the first payment. If you stay another seven, you get double that. Like, that's how that works. Right, so you know? how, you're not answering the question. The question is how many there, women... I like, would cycle through them. Like, like, oh, I sound like such a scumbag. That's not even true. I really like no, this her is, this is, as listen, a person. She was a good person. There's nothing wrong. She wasn't a good person. But. You, maybe she was, maybe she... You definitely weren't. I was bad. But I think you could you could sound like a scumbag and you'd be like, I was scummy. I yeah. practiced scumbaggery. Scumbag material, yep. Scumbag. Scumbaggery. <laughs> scumbaggery for sure. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you, Namaste. Because like she she was not afraid... To throw it all out there. Yeah, no, she's, yeah, hell yeah. And, and I'm still a little, you know, surprised that, like you said, like that's a that's a real relationship from a rehab that's like happening. That's there's people in the audience who married. Really? And have kids with really? their rehab romance. That's and crazy. it's totally, I mean, like the truth is you're going to meet people where you're going to meet them. Yeah, it's And true. you don't know. It's true. Like what They're the future. All doomed. No, yeah. I mean, I think like most of the time when you're a fucking heroin addict and you meet a crackhead in rehab, it's not going to be <laughs> marriage and kids and fucking houses and shit. But sometimes you're both in the exact right spot for for recovery. It's true. Um, now, speaking of recovery, how is, how is we, we really... Fucking, what's that horrible sound? It's my fucking cable. Oh, God. It's because I'm holding the mic. That's why. That's what it is. God damn it. What do I have to hold it really gently? Um, first of all, I'm never going to say I'm grateful at the meeting again. That's crazy. So thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for that. And secondly, what is... Dave, uh, alcoholic, grateful to be here, grateful what, to be sober. I also stopped calling. I stopped saying I'm a drug addict at the meeting. Oh, you used to do that? Yeah, I, I used to say alcoholic, drug addict. Yeah, but every time you share, it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. instant drug addict, we know. But um, I want to know how is your... I mean, I don't want this episode to be bereft oh, of recovery. Bereft, that's another one. So talk to me. Where, where are you at? What's going on? How you feel? Recovery's good, solid. I, um... I'm uh I don't I don't hit my I don't I don't hit the, the Shaolin Temple every morning I have to confess that um you were so for a bit though. I was so I what's was. so what's going on um everything's really good I I really only hit the beach for the most part you know I, I'll go other places sometimes like sporadically you know but uh I just feel fucking good I feel good where I'm at you know we've had conversations you Jay works in this fucking crazy. Uh, taqueria slash tequila bar mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. and places like that are known to be dangerous for drug addicts and alcoholics because of the tequila and the liveliness tequila. and all of the people and your uh, incredible lust for life. You know what I mean? Like you're up in it, you know? And so you said to me, I don't know, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, who knows? Like, like, I don't know. Like I, I, I kind of want to be able to have a drink. Mm -hmm. Like I'm 27. I still think I can. So like, let's. That's what I hear about. Yeah, yeah. I still think I can. Have you done it? No, not yet. Are you sure? I'm positive. You're positive. <laughs> well, you think I have? I you think I'm lying to you? Of course. I don't think anything. Why would I lie? Did you smoke? <laughs> did you smoke <laughs> weed? I've thought about it. No, I haven't. I haven't. But I've, I've, I haven't really. I think about it all the fucking time. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. 
the dog and the dog's <laughs> like he's he's smoking weed <laughs> dave he's lying um so yeah. uh so to, this is good this is good good stuff i think about it all the fucking time i think that a i think i could well this is fucked up of course you could yeah yeah well i i think i why couldn't you you could I fucking I, shoot fentanyl i think i could i think i could drink successfully where is is that a child yeah there's it's there's preschool next door. Oh really? Yeah. I was like that was weird. You're hearing your inner child <laughs> say you can't drink successfully. So th- why do you think you can drink Cause, successfully? Because I th- well, so oh um, first of all, this is, that's a different story. Okay, first of all, I think I can drink successfully because I'm not an alcoholic. You know. This like, is going. I, hold on, is there a scary sound? <laughs> 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 well, well, because even when I drank. I didn't really drink. I didn't you know? either, but that was something Chris so always... So you don't think you could? I don't fuck... I'm not going to fuck with it. You know what I mean? Like well, maybe... maybe I'm not going to fuck with it either. Okay. But... I don't care. Like, it's one of those questions where the answer is... Like, for me, the answer is... I had a really shitty life. Like, I had a life that brought me nothing but addiction mm. and, and strung outness and mm. being broke mm. and being miserable. And now we're in my robust to... You know, big house with two kids and the Sick. dog outside and this beautiful roadcaster. Sick roadcaster. Um, so Biased. like, I don't. And then the other thing is like, I do. I don't. I never want to drink. Like, I'm not dating. I don't need to drink. And drink See? alcohol like affects me in a way that I don't like it. It makes me sick. I like weed though. Yeah. Like I like weed. Well, I could, um, yeah. You look like the type that. I look stoned weed. right now. <laughs> yeah. But but I'm not gonna smoke weed either because I really think. And, and I, I've been trying to talk about this on the show and I try to talk to this about this with people and I don't ever really make any sense when I say this, but I, sometimes I'll daydream about smoking pot and I'll, and I'll, you know, that feeling like when you probably when you were very young and you had bud and like no one was in your house mm-hmm. and, and you know, you iced the bong or whatever yeah, and, the, yeah. and, the, and you put on like Bob Marley or whatever. Some, I put on Bob Marley. Okay. Uh, what did you put on? <laughs> well, what did I put on? Yeah, probably like, Oh, what was that song? Um, when you were a kid, roll something up so I can just blow. Who's that? Um, I think it's Styles P. Okay, so you put on a little Styles P. Yeah, and and, and you got the room ready, and you're excited, and yep. you're a kid, and yep. it's like, you know, it's gonna happen, and there's this promise, promise of ecstasy, mm-hmm. you know. And I, what I'm thinking is, like, let's say I set all that stuff up. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have the ability to set it up yeah, here, yeah, yeah. but maybe a porch somewhere, yeah. maybe in the backyard, whatever. Yeah. I know that You're when I actually down. do it, it's not going to live up to the expectation. Let down. And then past there, it's going to bring fucking misery. You think it will, though? Ultimately, because I'm such a fucking drug addict. Like, I'll be like, well, that didn't work today, but let's try it tonight. Mm. And then I'll be like, okay, that was cool. At night, nobody was around. Yeah, and, yeah. and then in the morning, I'm like, well, I can get up really early. I can get away with this. And, yeah. it, and it, it's just... Gonna, drug addict behavior I'm just for me it's more like it, people always say this it's a risk reward mm. the reward it, the risk and, and, and I, I mean like for me 47 I have two children I have a successful relationship yeah. I have a podcast based upon my fucking sobriety <laughs> that's like my job <laughs> you know like I, that's a huge risk not to mention I've never had it so good in terms of my happiness ever i've never been this happy now let me ask you like where is your happiness and where has it been in comparison to in you know kingpin fentanyl I, days? I i agree i i can 
<laughs> it, my happiness is at an all-time high. I can tell. It is. You're bursting with joy. It, it is. But um, not all the time, you know? How can you be bursting with joy all the time? <laughs> if, if you'd be bursting, that would be a letdown if you were bursting with it's joy true. all the time. It's true. A lot of me, I should start, you know what I start doing? I start saying, Jay, I'll call it grateful to be sober, grateful to be here. I should do that. Not because I really feel it all the time, but just so, you know, speak it in, into existence, you know? Right. Like right, maybe right. I should start saying that. Maybe we should trade. Yeah. Okay. I'm done. Uh, you can have it. I don't want, I, everyone's ready for me to say it. What the fuck? I'm done with it. You take it. You take I, uh, it. I said it at the same time as you once. I think I was sitting next to Mark. I don't know if you know Mark. You really, Mark. you fucking run some serious shit on me. I do. I do. You have Ian in the car. I do. Look, I'm going to make Dave say what's happening. <laughs> I do. You're fucking do. doing it up with Yo, Mark. Ian fucking, you should have Ian come through. He's fucking done some shit. I kind of want to. Yo, he's done some shit. I, he, I gave him, I gave him a gun. Like for forever ago. Oh, should I not talk about that? I'm sorry. You looked at the computer like. Oh. No, I'm just trying to think about stuff. But yeah, go oh, for okay. it. Okay, so I gave him a gun. Why? Wait, hold on. If you're not supposed to talk about it, why would I look at the computer? Like, oh shit, we gotta. I don't know. <laughs> Please, <laughs> like, oh, it's like, exciting. Oh, sh- you gave oh, him a gun. I'm with you. So I gave him a gun. This and Ian, like I've said in the last, was a fucking drug addict. Like, like we're both drug dealers. I was like money first. He was drugs first right. like he was a drug addict like you know and uh we were selling a lot of coke and uh we started selling coke together and stuff and he was shooting a lot of coke and uh i have too but he was doing it a lot and he would get super fucking paranoid you know crazy and he lives on a canal like you know and bro i'm not fucking i wasn't there this night i talked to his ex the girl that he was with and uh I, I forget why I gave him. I had another, whatever. I gave him a gun because I had one and he wanted one. Whatever. So um, I gave him the gun. Fucking serial number scratched off, all that. You know, it was like a, it was a Colt 32 with a wood handle, like a little revolver, like six-shot revolver. So it was like, and it didn't even, and it's hard to get bullets for for revolvers. You know, it, it, it's hard to get bullets anywhere in New York, but you can get like nine millimeter bullets a lot easier than you can get like casings for that, you know? So, so Ian would fucking, he'd do a bunch of coke, he'd chew a bunch of coke. And one night, apparently... He's like the guy that like thinks everyone, you know, we were selling drugs. So it's like a, it's like a rightful paranoia. <laughs> yeah, you definitely. know, that's what I think. It's a healthy fear. Yeah, it's a, it's a healthy fear. I think that bring, I think a lot of the paranoia stems from like your regular fears. You know, when you're doing a lot of coke like that, like I would always be afraid someone was like tapping my phone or like, cause I was selling a lot of drugs, you know? So like brought it out of me. So like, why wouldn't they be tapping? Exactly. Phone? Right. You know, so, sure. so he, was, but you don't think people are tapping your phone now. No, no, no. Right. Why would that? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. So yo, this kid, bro, he's lives in like on a canal, literally like on a dead end. So if any cops are coming, you could see them from the whole block. You could see this kid toss. It's guns are expensive here in New York, especially it's not Arizona, you know, fucking this kid is all paranoid, skits out, like, oh, shit, oh, I think oh, I think they're fucking in my backyard. He's, like, peeping out his blinds, you know, doing the regular shit. Apparently, he's sweating profusely, too. He fucking takes it. He takes the gun, throws it in his canal because he's super paranoid. The next thought in his head is there's fucking scuba diver fucking. This is real paranoia, right? It's, there's imagination. There's, yeah, there's yeah, real. Ian. Like, oh imaginative shit, imaginative Ian. I I gotta get I gotta get the gun because you know they're gonna recover that. There's probably scuba team in the fucking canal, and that's yeah, that's Ian. That was Ian. So what did he do? He fucking I don't know I don't know. He, he bust out the scuba gear yeah. and went down. <laughs> he got the grabbed the snorkel. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, shout out to you. No, I want I I, I was I was thinking about uh. Getting in. I'm you, thinking about like getting a bunch of people 
from the meeting yeah. on the show. Like yeah. Johnny Jukebox. Jukebox would be a fucking crazy story. It, fucking sure. Andre on Kratom. Uh, on Jeezy. So. Yeah. Evan. Evgang. Evan, like as he as he does counseling, he's doing drugs at yeah, the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, yeah. Like it's a lot of a lot of, a lot of, lot of, lot of material. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of good material. Um I think this episode was full of good material. Now let's get back to the one thing before we go. Mm-hmm. Drinking successfully. Oh yeah. Okay, let's get let's 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 like you just said your happiness quotient is off the charts. Yep. And I mean you have a horrible like and let's not this fucking thing is going to make me crazy. And everyone's like, "Dave, where's the good equipment?" And it's like, "I lost I just bought a new this cable." It's pretty good. This cable. Oh. This cable is the problem. Fuck that but cable. but yeah, exactly. But when you say and I understand your point like talk that through about drinking successfully like, you have eight months clean you have a huge fucking seven and a half okay I'm rounded there up there you go seven <laughs> and a half months clean you have a huge prison sentence yeah, yeah, yeah. that's another reason why i think i could do this successfully what does that mean because like like who knows a how long whatever i'm not even fucking bra- broaching the subject but if you were to make a guess how long what would what do you think the outcome is gonna like be? optimally not or like, like you realistically, realistic yeah, yeah. guess. Four years. No way. Yeah. Four years. Yeah. Years without question. Years. It breaks my heart. Yeah. Well, don't drink, and then, and also, don't drink fucking Pruno and shit in the joint. No, I. But you go in drinking, you're gonna. I mean, if you go in with a year or something, you're gonna have a fucking solid thing. If I go into prison with a year clean, clean, yeah, yeah. It'll be way better than going in with like a day. Well, yeah. Yeah. You'll have momentum. I figure by the time I leave, I'll have four years either way. Right, right. But you I mean know? like, holy cow. You know, uh, all we can control is, is, is what we do. There's this great book. You want to hear my, 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 met, my metaphysical thought before we go? Ooh, let's go? I never do that. But there's this book called Zen and the Art of Archery. And in Zen and the Art of Archery, it's like, it's very thin book, beautiful book. It's about archery. Archery. And uh, there's Zen in the art of archery. What they say is you, all you can control is having the bow in your hand, pulling back the string, making sure the arrow, everything is as good as possible. And once you release the arrow, you know, if you did everything that you could do, you can't do anything else. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. In your situation, it's like you fucking made a horrible bed. And, but I think, you need to like not experiment with drinking right now, and drugs. Just like make sure the arrow's straight as best as it can be, yeah. and then see what happens. I mean, like I'm, like I'm a delusional optimist, and I'm mm-hmm. like Jay's not really going to go away. Yeah, uh, me but that's too. delusional yeah. of me, and yeah. you shouldn't listen to me. Yeah, you know. But hopefully, it'll go for the best. And I know that the Dopey Nation is rooting for you as well. Aww. And we have to do as many shows as we can before you go away. Oh, right. I would love to. All right, good. So, um. Thank you, Namaste at home, Dad. Namaste at home, Dad. Dad. Thank you, Jay, Fentanyl Jay. <laughs> um, and uh, please, everybody, do, you know, subscribe to YouTube, subscribe to Patreon, buy Dopey Gear. We're in an amazing... Buy that shit. No, we're, we're an amazing partnership with uh, SRO Prince. They do our gear. They're in Cincinnati. You got to mention them. They're all junkies like you. Oh, really? Yeah. Shout out to SRO Prince. Yep. And uh, stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Toodles for Chris. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. 
Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad I want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this aeroplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had and my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I wanna be good so bad Wanna be good so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had these suckers make me mad and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had 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 and these suckers make me mad and it's all I ever had and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had and it's all I ever had and it's all I ever had